Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. How many of you guys are excited to be here tonight? You guys can be seated. Honestly, I really believe that there's no better place to be at than at Reach Church on a, on a Wednesday night in the city of Paramount. So I'll be honest with you, man, I'm really excited to be here. I don't know about you, but I look at my life and I don't know where I'd be without Reach Church. I don't know where I'd be without the Lord. I don't know where I'd be without a community like this. So again, I'm, I'm honored. I'm very thankful to be here, especially being able to be on this platform and, and be able to minister to you guys tonight. Uh, I quickly want to uh, give a shout out and honor our pastors, our lead pastors, Pastor Omar and Sister Letty. Yeah, they're actually on vacation right now. They're getting some much needed rest. And so we want to honor them still and acknowledge them. also want to honor our pastoral staff, uh, Isaac and Lizzie, John, Christina, uh, Rob and Carly. And lastly, okay, I know you guys may get tired of this, but I have to do this every single time. Uh, I got to honor my wife who's sitting right there. Uh, she's amazing. She, she takes care of our daughter every day. Um, and my daughter, if you know, she is crazy. Uh, she is nonstop. She's about a year and a half, and uh, she doesn't stop. And she just keeps going and going until she falls asleep. And so I want to honor my wife for, for being an amazing mother to our daughter, Natalie. And I also want to give a shout-out to this awesome worship team, man. I mean... Man, they're, they're amazing, all the work and, and, and dedication to this team. So we honor them, and we honor uh, the musicians and singers. And, uh, but I, I want to get into it tonight. Uh, I'm excited. I, I'm, I believe God has put a word on my heart for you guys. And so we're in the sermon series of, of walking with God. Uh, just full disclosure here, I won't go long. Uh, I'm not going to go past 9 p.m., uh, so don't worry. You guys won't be here uh, at 10.30. You guys will be home, hopefully, by 10.30. How many of you guys appreciate that? No, nobody? All right, it's all right. Um, we'll, be, we'll be out. We'll be done by 9 p.m., don't worry. Um, but again, I'm excited to be here tonight. How many of you guys enjoy the presence of the Lord? And so we're in this sermon series of walking with God, and, and I, I've really enjoyed this sermon series. I've really enjoyed what it means and what we've been learning. And oftentimes, when the Bible speaks about walking, it's often referring to a lifestyle. Walking in the Spirit, walking in, in alignment with the Word of God. You see, walking, it's a lifestyle. It's a daily thing. It's something we have to implement in our lives every single day. It's not just something we can uh, uh, decide to do every now and then. No, it's a lifestyle that we have to walk with God. And as I begin to prepare my message, and as I begin to uh, look into what it means to walking with the Lord, I begin to ask myself this simple question, uh, where am I walking to? Where am I going in this life? Am I walking in the right direction that the Lord wants me to go? Am I leading my family in the right direction? Because sometimes, let me, let me be honest with you, if we're not careful, if we're not aware of the direction we're going, if we're not living a life, a lifestyle for Jesus, we can be walking with God, but going in the opposite direction of where he wants us to go. It's possible to have the Lord walk with you and walk with uh, God and still go in the wrong direction. 
And I believe that a lot of Christians today, we, we know church, we, we, we know all the encouraging verses, we know when to shout amen, we know when to cry at the altar, but are you walking in the right direction? Are you aligning yourself to the word of God? Are you aligning yourself to where God wants you to be going? I want you to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 24. And so tonight, I want to talk about two men that were walking with Jesus. Two men that were face to face with Jesus, yet these men were still headed in the wrong direction. I want you guys to turn your Bibles, Luke chapter 24, verse 13, and we're going to read the, the whole passage of the story. It's verse 13, uh, all the way to 35, and it says this, it says, that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. Uh, in this story, Jesus had been crucified for three days. Uh, he'd been crucified already. He's been in the tomb for three days, and this is kind of what's happening. It says, while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know these things that have happened in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and a word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all of this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and, and found it just as a woman had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe, and all the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He, he acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened up to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Why don't you guys pray with me tonight? So Father, we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing here tonight. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to each and every person here. Father, I pray, Lord, that as I speak, Lord, that they would hear your voice and not mine. Father, I pray that you would give us the revelation of what you want us to get tonight. And Father, we pray that you would challenge us, Lord. We pray that you would convict us, and we pray that you would encourage us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Daniel. Why don't you guys give it up for Daniel? 
Man, I, I, I'm honored by our worship team. I love our worship team. And so we read this, this whole scripture, and I want to talk to you guys tonight about walking the road to Emmaus. And I want you guys to understand what's going on in this story. You see, this is after Jesus had been crucified. He had been in the tomb for three days, and just verses before, the tomb is discovered to be empty meaning that Jesus had risen from the dead. And the news of Jesus not being in the tomb, the news of Jesus uh, had reached the disciples, and it had reached these two disciples that are walking to Emmaus from Jerusalem. And in this story, they're talking about what had happened as they walked, and it says that Jesus shows up with them and starts walking with them. And I began to think about that as I read it, Out of all the appearances that Jesus makes after his resurrection, he first chose to reveal himself to two ordinary disciples. We know these men weren't the famous apostles that we all know and read about. We know that these weren't the 12. These men were just simple followers of Jesus. That's it. You see, Jesus wasn't only looking to reveal himself to the famous. He wasn't only looking to reveal himself to people who have it all together, to the ones who have the most money. In all of Jesus' glory of his resurrection, he revealed himself to these unknown men. To these men in the Bible who we only know one of their names, meaning we, they probably didn't matter that much to the disciples, yet Jesus chose to reveal himself to them. See, I believe some of you need to hear that tonight, that it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter how much education you have, what kind of lifestyle you grew up in. He's the savior for the lost. He's the savior for the broken. He's the savior for the common man, for the ordinary. It says in Luke chapter 19, for the son of man came to seek and to save those who are lost. He wants to reveal himself to you tonight. He came for you and I, the people who don't have it all together. Who has it all together tonight? You see, I'm in the same boat. He came for those people who are lost, who are confused, that that's who Jesus came for. In Mark chapter 2, verse 17, it says, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. See, I believe Jesus is demonstrating in that moment with these two disciples that he's not here just for certain people. He's not here just for the Jews, that he came for all. Came for the rich, he came for the poor, came for the unknown to the popular. And Jesus chose to walk with these two disciples. And here we are having them walk into Emmaus. And as they're walking to Emmaus, it says that they're talking about what had just happened. Now, we know that Jesus had just been crucified on the cross. Now, I want you to really put, your, put yourself in their shoes that, that you can imagine what they had just gone through. They had just witnessed Jesus die a sinner's death. And they're probably reliving every single moment. The sight of Jesus being nailed to the cross, this, uh, uh, nails in his hands and his feet, a crown of thorns on his head, a, a spear impaled in his side. You can almost uh, imagine the, hearing the mockery that Jesus faced from the Roman government. You can imagine how they, they, they probably saw Mary, who is the mother of Jesus, seeing her son be crucified to a cross. I really believe in their minds because what they had just seen, reliving every single moment, I believe their hope that they once had in Jesus began to fade. All the prophecies that they knew about him began to become tales that they once heard. 
These two disciples became defeated. The one person who they had placed all their hope in is now dead. How many of you guys have ever felt like that before? Where all your hope is gone? Where you just feel defeated, where the one good thing that you had going just fails? And these two disciples are going through it. And as they're going through, they're walking, they're probably in their feelings, and then they're walking a road that leads to Emmaus. And it says in the Bible that while they're talking and discussing together, Jesus drew near and went with them. But check this out. It says in verse 16, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. See, Jesus appears while they're talking, but it says that their eyes were kept from recognizing him. You see, that phrase, that uh, their eyes were kept from recognizing, I believe there's two possible explanations for this. Either God himself intentionally hid his identity from them, or the disciples were simply unaware due to their ignorance. You see, if you really think about it, these disciples should have known Jesus the moment he walked with them. They probably heard him talk a thousand times. They should have recognized his voice. They probably uh, seen all these miracles after miracles from uh, healing the sick to raising the dead. These disciples should have recognized Jesus in the moment he started walking with them. But it says that something kept them from recognizing Jesus. What blinded them to the presence of Jesus in all his glory? What was standing in their way when he was face-to-face with them? Could have been their disappointment. Could have been their anger towards Jesus, that they had placed all their hope in Jesus and believed that he was the Messiah, that he would be the one to liberate Israel and once again become a great nation under God. It could have just been because of their sadness and depression that crippled their view of Jesus. And because all of this is going on, because they're probably reliving every single moment, because they're probably feeling so many emotions, I believe they start to shut their eyes to any possible hope they had left in Jesus. And here we have these disciples of Jesus walking toward Emmaus. Now, the crazy thing about Emmaus is it's seven miles away from Jerusalem. It is the complete opposite direction of Jerusalem. You see, these two disciples should have been in Jerusalem. They should have been waiting for Jesus to come back. They should have been celebrating Jesus' death, waiting for him to return, yet they're now walking in the opposite direction of where they should have been. Why? Because they allowed their circumstances and emotions to dictate where they're going. And because they did that, now they can't even recognize the very God who walks with them. How many tonight are being kept from recognizing Jesus? So I believe tonight too many Christians are allowing their faith and their view of Jesus to be crippled by fear or disappointment. Too many of us are allowing our feelings, our emotions to dictate where we're headed in life. We're uh, aligning our lives in the direction of our feelings and emotions rather than the direction of Jesus. See, while while Jacob, that pastor offended me. Well, that leader wanted to know where I was at all the time. Why I know, they wanted to know why I wasn't at prayer on Saturday. They wanted to know why I wasn't uh, at church on Sunday. And they start to become offended. And what happens? They leave the church. Well, I have to leave this church because, you know, they said this to me. They said that to me. I've even seen Christians leave the church because someone cared enough to tell them to stop living in sin and live a holy life. 
Let me make this very clear right now. If you're here because you just want to have a good time, you just want to feel good in the worship service, you want to cry, you, you, want, to, you want to experience the Holy Spirit, but you never want to be challenged, and you just want to hear a soft message so you can keep living the sinful and selfish life you want to live, then this is the wrong place for you. You can go to the church down the street. We'd rather be a church who convicts the sinner to get saved and challenges the believer to live a righteous life that leads them to heaven rather than a church that comforts them to hell. See, this, this Christianity culture of today has been leading with their feelings rather than their convictions. We're allowing our circumstances, our pride, our, our false expectations of what God is supposed to do that is causing us to doubt the very God who saved you. I think it's amazing to me how so many Christians can experience Jesus. So many Christians can go from being a, a drug addict to clean the very moment. We can go from experiencing the love and grace of God to being kept from recognizing him. So many of us, I've seen so many Christians blame God for not being with us during the hard times. We complain about not being able to feel his presence. We become these gloomy Christians. Well, I'm just in a, in a tough season right now. I'm just in a dry season. I'm just in a place where I can't hear the Lord. I'm just in a place where I'm praying and, and I can't feel anything. And I don't know if God is with me. Could it be that it has nothing to do with God's proximity and everything to do with you just being kept from recognizing who Jesus is? And these two disciples had lost all hope. They failed to recognize Jesus because they're focused on their emotions. They're focused on their feelings. And now they're walking in a direction that leads to destruction. They're walking in a direction that the Lord doesn't want them to go. Let me tell you, the moment you start to focus on these things, the moment you start to pay more attention to your disappointments, to your insecurities, to your fears, is the moment you start to, start to doubt God and walk in the wrong direction. Same thing happened with Jonah. We know Jonah, God calls him to preach to the city of Nineveh because they're sinners, but Jonah doesn't want to go. He's focused on them. He's like, man, they're not going to, they don't deserve to, to be saved. They don't deserve God's mercy. And so they, Jonah starts to just tell God, well, they're horrible. They don't need it. I don't want to go to talk to them. I don't want to go to preach to them. And what happens? He finds a boat going to the city of Tarshish. But let me tell you, the crazy thing about that is this boat that he's going on is going the complete opposite direction of Nineveh. It just so happened that there was a boat going in the opposite direction of where God, God wanted him to be at. Let me tell you right now, the enemy will make it as convenient for you as possible to go in the opposite direction of where God wants you to be. You don't even have to do anything crazy. All you have to do is focus on the wrong things, focus on your insecurities, on your problems, that you'll end up going in the opposite direction of where God wants you to be. Where is your focus? Where is your time going? Are, are you reading his word? Are you praying? Are you allowing the Lord to change you from the inside out? It says in Psalms 119, uh, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. How can we walk with God? How can we know where we're supposed to go if we refuse to read the very word that lights our path? How can we be in alignment with God if we can't even recognize which direction he's going? 
These men should have been in Jerusalem with all the other believers, but because they allowed their feelings and disappointments to get in their way, they find themselves walking to Emmaus in the opposite direction of where God wanted them to be at. As we read this story, Jesus comes up to them, and he just asks them, what are they talking about? And I love what happened. It says they began to tell Jesus, well, don't you know that Jesus died on the cross? Don't you know that they sent him to be crucified? And, and, and then we heard that some women found the tomb empty, and we heard that they seen vision of angels, and, and they began to tell Jesus everything. But I, I find it funny what they said in, in verse 24. It says, some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. You see, notice as they told Jesus at the end of the verse that these women seen the empty tomb, they seen the vision of angels, but Jesus they did not see. The only, the only testimony the disciples had to go off of was the report of a woman and, and Peter and John. But you can tell that they were having trouble believing it. They were finding it hard to believe that Jesus could be alive if no one physically had seen him yet. They're pretty much telling Jesus, well, this is what they said, but I don't really know if it's true. This is what I heard, but uh, they, they didn't see Jesus. I'm not sure if I really believe it. And Jesus responds to them, and I love what he says. It says in verse 25, and he said to them, oh, foolish ones, oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all the prophets had spoken. Was it not necessary that, the, that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Jesus rebuked them. But Jesus rebuked them not for going to Emmaus, not for going in the wrong direction, not even for uh, not recognizing him. But Jesus rebuked them because they failed to believe the word of God. They failed to believe what they had been taught their whole life, what the prophets had spoken. And Jesus tells them, was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter his glory? In other words, he's begun to tell them the cross was not the end, it was the beginning. It didn't take away from the Messiah's glory, it defeated the Messiah's enemy. You see, he begins to tell them this was eternal freedom, not just for Israel, not just for the Jews, but for everybody. Then it says in verse 27 that Jesus begins with Moses and all the prophets, and he begins to interpret the scriptures of things concerning himself. Jesus begins to explain and interpret the Old Testament. And he begins to show them the fulfillment of prophecies through the word of God. He's pointing out all the verses that revealed who the Messiah was, how the scripture is coming back to Jesus, coming back to the person who they're talking to. And as they're walking, this man who they don't know is giving them a, a whole study and interpretation of the Old Testament. Now, if you... Know the Old Testament. I'm gonna, it's going to be very long here. If we know the Old Testament, we know that in Genesis, he's the prophesied seed who will crush the serpent's head. 
In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's the high priest. In Numbers, he's the water in the desert. In Deuteronomy, he becomes a curse for us. In Joshua, he's the commander of the army of the Lord. In Judges, he delivers us from injustice. In Ruth, he's our kinsman redeemer. First Samuel, he's the prophet, priest, and king. Second Samuel, king of grace and love. First Kings, a ruler greater than Solomon. Second Kings, the powerful prophet. First Chronicles, son of David that is coming to rule. Second Chronicles, the king who reigns eternally. Ezra, priest proclaiming freedom. Nehemiah, the one who restores what is broken down. Esther, the protector of his people. Job, the mediator between God and man. Psalms, he's a rock and refuge. Proverbs, he's the everlasting wisdom. Ecclesiastes, he's our meaning for life. Song of Solomon, an author of faithful love. Isaiah, he's a servant, uh, the suffering servant. Jeremiah, the weeping Messiah. Limitation, he assumes God's wrath for us. Ezekiel, son of man. Daniel, he's the fourth man in the fire. Hosea, faithful husband, even when we run away. Joel, he's sending his spirit to his people. Amos, delivers justice to the oppressed. Obadiah, judge, judges those who do evil. And Jonah, the greatest missionary. Micah, he casts our sin into the sea of forgetfulness. Nahum, he proclaims future world peace when he can't imagine. Habakkuk, he crushes injustice. Zephaniah, the warrior who saves. Haggai, restores our worship. Zechariah, prophesies uh, a Messiah appears for us. And Malachi, he's a son of righteousness who brings healing. Think about that. Jesus goes through all the scripture of what the prophet said, book by book, verse by verse. Why? Jesus could have just said, well, I'm alive, so here you go. He could have just said, well, he could have revealed himself to them in that moment, but Jesus took the time to interpret the scriptures with them. He took time to remind them what they had read, what they had believed in the first place. It was because of the word of God. Jesus understood the power of the word of God. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. There is nothing that cuts right to the heart and through any doubt or unbelief like the word of God. I'm here to tell you those who have been serving God for a long time, those who may be finding it hard to keep going, finding it hard to live a righteous life, finding it hard to live for Jesus, let me encourage you to get back into the word of God. Without the word of God, we will never be able to live a holy and pleasing life unto the Lord. I read this, a Christian who doesn't read the word of God is like a pig unknowingly waiting at the butcher's doorstep. Without the spiritual nourishment and guidance provided by the Bible, they remain unaware of the dangers lurking around them. And just as a pig is oblivious to its impending doom, a Christian who neglects the word of God faces the same fate. If we neglect the word of God, we will always find ourselves doubting Jesus and heading in the wrong direction. It's only through Jesus and reading of his word that we can remain on the right path. As I began to think about that, as I began to think about the conversation that Jesus is having with these two disciples, the most amazing thing about Jesus is he's just walking with them. Even though these disciples were going in the wrong direction, 
even though they had lost their hope, even though it was, they were having trouble believing in Jesus, he's still walking with them. Jesus didn't force them to go back to Jerusalem. He didn't tell them, shouldn't you be over there? He didn't, he didn't rebuke them for leaving Jerusalem. All he did was walk with them and teach them scripture. See, I believe so many of us have this misconception of who Jesus is. We think that Jesus doesn't want to be with us because we're too sinful. We think that he wants nothing to do with us because we chose sin over him. Or we've been going in the wrong direction for too long. Well, Jacob, I've messed up too many times. I've been coming to church, but I haven't really given my life to him. There's no way he can ever forgive me. But the reality is that Jesus has been with you this entire time. He's been walking with you every step of the way. And all he wants you to do is have a personal relationship with him. All he wants you to do is come back to him and recognize who he is. I love this scripture in Psalms 139, verse 1 through 12. It says, Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and, and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even then your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in the darkness, I cannot hide from you. There is nothing you can do in this world that can separate you from the love of God. See, I'm here to encourage you that if you would just allow Jesus to come into your life, if you just allow him to sit with you, if you just allow him to be part of your life, then your eyes would finally be opened. Your eyes would be opened to the fullness and the holiness of who he is. You see, these disciples could have allowed Jesus to keep going on his way because it said in the word of God that Jesus acted as if he were going further. He acted as if this wasn't his stop, but he gave them the opportunity to make a decision to allow him to come in or allow him to keep walking. And it says in the Bible that they urged him strongly to stay. Another version says that they constrained him, meaning that they held on to him. They did not want to let go of Jesus. They didn't want to see Jesus walking away from them. And I'm here to encourage you tonight, don't make the mistake of allowing Jesus to keep walking. Don't allow Jesus to keep going without you. And it says that they urged him to stay. It says that they ate with him. And it says as they broke bread, their eyes were open to Jesus. All it took was Jesus inviting them into their home, into their lives, that their eyes were open and it changed the course of their life. It says in James chapter 4, verse 8, it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. If you just allow Jesus to come, if you just call on his name, if you just get closer, 
Jesus will do the rest. And it says that once they realized it was him, it says that he disappeared. And it says that they began to talk to each other and began to talk to each other like we're in our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us. Wasn't there something about this man when he was studying the scriptures with us? I love what happened. It says that they both got up and immediately went to Jerusalem. Because they invited Jesus into their home, because they encountered Jesus, they were changed. And it says that they immediately went to the place that Jesus wanted them to be at in the first place. You have to understand that they were going in one direction because they lost all the hope. They thought it was over. They thought they'd given up. They, they thought there's no way that they can receive this freedom. And they were walking a road that led to destruction. But it was one moment that, with the Lord that changed your entire life. You have to understand that Jesus didn't tell them, hey, now that you guys see me, I need you to go back to Jerusalem. You have to understand that Jesus didn't say, hey, you guys were going in the wrong direction. You guys weren't living right. So you need to change this about your life and you need to serve me now. All he did was meet them and the rest happened. And I believe some people in this room, you're afraid to meet Jesus because you get so overwhelmed with how many things that you think you have to change. You're afraid of committing your life to live a holy life. Well, if I meet Jesus, then I'm going to have to stop doing what I want to do. I have to stop having fun. I have to come to church every Sunday, every Wednesday, every Friday, every Saturday. I have to commit my life, my entire life to him. I, I can't drink anymore. I can't watch the same things uh, that I'm supposed to watch. I, I have to stop doing all these things. And we think all these things in our head that that's what happens when we meet Jesus. But you don't truly understand what happens when you meet Jesus. You see, when you meet Jesus, when you encounter the fullness of Jesus, you don't need anyone to tell you you're living wrong. You don't need anyone to tell you, okay, you need to change these things about you. When you have an encounter with Jesus, the only one who's holy with the creator of heaven and earth, when you have a real encounter, he changes you from the inside out. You no longer want to live that way. It's not that you have to stop living a certain way. It's that you get to live a life of freedom that Jesus wants you to live. <laughs> Romans 8, verse 1 through 2, and I'm, I'm closing with this. It says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And John 8, 36, so if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. See, when you encounter Jesus, you receive true freedom. When you encounter Jesus, addictions are broken. The road that you were walking to Emmaus now becomes a road to Jerusalem. Everything changes in the presence of the Lord. And then these disciples had lost all the hope. They were depressed. They didn't know what they were going to do next. They were headed in the wrong direction, but Jesus met them, and the rest is history. We have every head bowed and every eye closed. 
Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com slash give.